you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at laist.com sweeps. Hi, this is Larry Mantle, host of Air Talk on KPCC. Since the start of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had a daily segment on Air Talk devoted to the latest information about COVID-19. As time's gone on, we've looked at vaccines and how the virus and pandemic have affected the lives of Southern Californians. That includes doctors, nurses, epidemiologists, and other medical professionals fighting the virus on the front lines. In each episode, of this podcast, we'll speak with one of our experts on the rotating panel of AirTalk guests who will be sharing their expertise with us daily. You can also listen anytime at las.com, kpecc.org, or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. First, joining us for our daily update on COVID-19 is Dr. Peter Chin Hong, infectious disease specialist and professor of medicine at the UCSF Medical Center. Dr. Chin Hong, welcome. My pleasure, Austin. Thanks for having me on. I'm and just happy Friday. so thrilled I get to talk to Dr. PCH. You know, I hear you so much on our air because we, we take your information and we cut it up and we use it throughout the day. And so a little starstruck, Dr. PCH. It's always nice. <laughs> Same here, Austin. It's bi-directional ad- admiration. I love it. It's the Air Talk Love Fest here. Well, if you have medical questions related to COVID-19 for Dr. Chin Hong, we are taking your calls. 866-893-5722. Again, that's 866-893-5722. You can also tweet at Air Talk or leave a comment on the Facebook page. You can also email us, atcomments at kpcc.org. I love that we have that, atcomments at kpcc.org. Just be sure to include your name and the part of town where you're messaging from. Though I got to say, I love hearing your voice. So if you've never called into AirTalk today and you want to try something new on a Friday that's going to really get your blood pumping, give us a call. We'll have a good time here. 866-893-5722. Well, Dr. Chen Hong, let's just start with a look at the CDC's announcement that it would be shifting its pandemic goals away from achieving herd immunity. At the start, just hearing that, I feel a little bit, I don't know, sad. But I guess my question for you is, do you get the sense that this was a long time coming? And where are the goalposts now as you see them? Well, that's that's a really complicated issue, Austin. But I do agree that the idea of herd immunity is waning away, not to use an overused uh, word. But it's because we have so many differences in population density. and It's a huge country. There's a lot of heterogeneity there. You know, politics has shaped so much of the pandemic and there are so many differences in the country so that I think uh, idea of community immunity uh, is probably more meaningful to people in different regions. Uh, And that's kind of the overall prevailing feeling right now. And that's why the CDC is shifting. But nevertheless, because we even though we are a big country, we do have free movement between places. So what uh, although something that happens in LA won't actually affect something immediately in Idaho it's very easy to have that affect each other over time so these are the pros and cons of shifting away from herd immunity to something more local like community immunity 
Well, I was reading in The Atlantic not that long ago, uh, they made the case that America has somewhat lost its the narrative when it comes to COVID. Uh, and really determining what our future goal is is going to determine what we do now. Uh, will this change anything about the kind of guidance we might receive from the CDC? And what do you think, you know, what is the goal we're working toward at this point? Maybe you mentioned community immunity. How does that change how we operate on a day-to-day level? I think what it means is overall, I think uh, we are going to shift to learning to live with the virus and not be afraid of it too much. I mean, I think we need to have guideposts that are, more pragmatic, like hospital utilization, like we do for influenza and hospital surge capacity that's locally based. And then when things look bad on a disease and utilization perspective from resources, we can then modify that local community and in terms of masking or et cetera, that's temporary. And that's based on trying to mitigate that that uh, local impact. So I think that's the way it's probably going to go. It's also going to be different because now we have oral medications that will probably uh, be, we can add to our toolkit. We'll have uh, monoclonal antibodies that can be used as long-term uh, vaccines for immunocompromised people who can't develop their own antibodies. So a lot is going to look different in the future that will allow us to think about uh, living with COVID in a very different way. We're talking to Dr. Peter Chin Hong here on Air Talk, and if you have a question for the doctor, the doctor is in eight six six eight nine three five seven two two again eight six six eight nine three five seven two two. I would love to hear from you. I see that Fred is waiting on the line from Pasadena, and Fred, my man, we are going to get to you in just a second. I got a few more questions for the doc, but hang with us. But be like Fred, come hang out with us on the line. We're going to get you on eventually eight six six eight nine three. 5722 or at comments at kpcc.org. Dr. Chin Hong, I know Larry discussed this yesterday when we got the news that the state of California has given the green light for all adults to get booster shots regardless of age or immunocompromised status. Given that the CDC has yet to issue its own guidance on this, were you surprised that the California Department of Health made this announcement? Not at all. I think a lot of people are actually relieved. Um, because it was so Byzantine and complex to figure out who needed what when, uh, whether or not you had to be in the down low and checked off a box when you didn't really know for sure if you fit it in. And the truth is, um, you know, we have evidence that immunity wanes over time with a vaccine, but not all groups are affected the same way by that waning immunity. So the way I think about this is, sure, make everyone eligible, but there are different ways to think about who should rush out and get it earliest. So for the biggest uh, golden apple, which is prevention of hospitalization and deaths, the most dangerous group right now is those over 65 and those who are immunocompromised. We know that waning immunity is impacting people who have been vaccinated starting to trickle into hospitals in that group. Of course, many of them have gotten the original vaccines earliest. And then for everyone else, it's kind of more like, you know, would getting an infection by itself, even though you're not going to the hospital, mean a lot to you? And it probably does to a lot of people who are essential workers or who are in healthcare, who who are needed to be part of that workforce or whose uh, detriment economically from not being in a workplace is going to impact their families. And then we have the holiday period. So even though I might be an 
a 25-year-old hypothetically uh, visiting grandma across the country, I might want to protect myself even more if I've gotten my vaccine one six months ago so that I don't bring it to grandma and I can hug her with wild abandon. Wild abandon. Don't we all just want to hug somebody with wild abandon? I love it. I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned travel because AAA now says some 4.4 million Southern Californians are expected to travel this year. So would you recommend listeners who are at least six months out from their second dose to maybe look at getting a booster soon? Totally. It will make you much more confident in traveling, particularly if you're visiting family who have either immunocompromised folks in the household or who are elderly, you'll just feel a lot better in that, particularly with that big rush that's expected to go on. And remember, you know, you already gotten two shots. The booster actually, I know the official guidance is two weeks after the booster, but it probably starts working a few days after the booster. So people are still, people still have time to have that booster work if they're pl- planning to travel for Thanksgiving. And what was surprising to me is that this is going to be really the second largest uh, Thanksgiving uh, travel period ever after 2019. It really speaks to people having this pent-up demand to see other humans. Well, you mentioned, you know, maybe getting in some immunity before Thanksgiving. And that's kind of in line with a question we're getting from Fred in Pasadena. So, uh, Fred, thank you so much for hanging out with us here on the line while we ask Dr. Chin Hong some of the first questions. But what's your question for the doctor, Fred? Yes, thanks to both for, for what you're doing. is very informative. Yeah, to follow up on, on what um, the doctor was mentioning, uh, I got my booster about uh, a little over a week ago, and I was just curious, at what point after the booster does my antibody levels go back to what it would have been soon after the second dose? I got the Pfizer dose, um, so I'm just curious, you know, how long after the booster uh, does your, your antibody levels and your protection increase or, quote-unquote, boost up back to what it was after the second dose? Dr. Chen Hong, what do you think? That's a great question, Fred. So if you look at neutralizing antibodies in the data, probably in three to five days, they start going up very, very fast. Um, but, you, you know, give it two weeks and, and you, that's probably a very conservative estimate given the diversity. But I would say like within a week, you're pretty much going to get back to the good old days. Um, in terms of the other um, parts of the immune system that people don't always talk about, like T cells and memory uh, cells, they, it's kind of the, it's like fine wine. It ke- keeps on getting better and better. So if you measure people over time, it just continues to go up more and more. So I think immediately, and then the neutralizing antibodies, the first thing that goes up are the most important for protecting you, even against infection, like getting the virus into the front gate, although the, you'll never get it into the house because of the other kinds of immune system you have going on. So a few days, conservatively two weeks, but um, sooner rather than later, because you already have some immune response in, it's just giving the immune system a, a, a remembrance or a reminder of the good old days. That is Fred in Pasadena. Fred, thank you so much for giving us a call. And we're taking your questions with the doctor. Dr. Peter Chin Hong is in. I want some more of those fine wine cells, uh, doctor. (laughs) You can give us a call, 866-893-5722. Again, 866-893-5722. Or you can email us, atcomments at scpr.org. Doctor, you have such a great way of explaining things. 
that it really sticks in your head and it can help inform people. And just you can take that information and it's easier for you to pass along to somebody else. So it helps the whole community. We're so glad we have you here. 866-893-5722. Take the opportunity to ask the doctor a question about COVID-19, about the vaccine, about your children, about anything related to this current pandemic. Dr. Pauline in Pomona says, uh, I'm scheduled for reconstructive surgery from breast cancer in about a week. How long would the doctor advise waiting before getting the booster shot following the surgery? What do you think? That's a great question from Pauline. I mean, I would say that if Pauline's surgery, and I'm, I hope everything really goes well, Pauline. I'm, I'm really behind you on this one. If the surgery goes all, all well and there's no infection, there's no fever, and Pauline is ready to get discharged, you can even get a shot in the hospital before you get discharged. Some hospital systems are doing that. And there's no reason not to get it if you're just healing normally. But if you have a, an infection or a fever after, you probably wait until that goes away before getting it. So the short answer is no contraindication as soon as you feel up for it, for getting it if you don't have a fever or any other signs of infection. Talking to Dr. Peter Chen Hong, Dr. Luke in Larchmont emailed us and says, I had lower back pain for three days after the half dose of Moderna. I'm reticent to continue to receive booster shots moving forward. Are boosters going to be an ongoing thing for years to come? I think that that is a question a lot of people have, especially people I know, even people in my family who have had very uh, difficult reactions to either the first or the second shot or even now the booster shots. Uh, one question a person might have is they're lying in bed and feeling some sort of pain. Is, is, is this life? Is this just the way that it's going to have to go uh, for years in the future, doctor? So that's a great question from Luke. Um, and I think that this booster might actually take us much further than six months. And the reason is we have a lot of other precedent from other vaccines like hepatitis B and human papillomavirus and say uh, measles, mumps, and rubella, you get two in the beginning, you wait a few months, you get the third, and that third lasts much more than the six months. It kind of takes you on for years, if not a lifetime in some cases. So that's the feeling behind the boosters that it may actually uh, last much longer than whenever, unless there's a scary new variant that's resistant to everything we have, and then you might get a booster, like you get a flu shot, but not because of waning immunity. And then the second thing is, I think the future, we talked a lot about the future so far in this, in this conversation, is that people are developing next generation antibody tests that will give better ideas of precision around immune protection. So it may be that say Luke got a serious uh, reaction from his last booster, uh, but somebody uses a next generation uh, immunity test can tell Luke, hey Luke, you're actually good for now. You're good to go. You don't need to get that booster like everybody else in the population. So I'm holding out hope for all of those things happening. I do love hearing that testing is getting more precise and that we could soon have more information about uh, our status and the protection that we do have against COVID-19. And I'll say, doctor, medical science has surprised all of us over the past year. You know, we've developed a handful of effective vaccines in a very short time. But at the same time, there was the Delta variant, and there are many people who have gotten vaccinated who uh, have still managed to get COVID-19 uh, again afterwards. 
Do you see a time in the future when maybe vaccine developers will uh, have a vaccine that will prevent a person from contracting COVID-19 altogether? That's that's a really great question. I think nobody knows for sure because there's so much ongoing transmission in the world right now that there are all these different variations on the theme, variants being created every time, every two weeks on average. But, you know, we think that, uh, you know, whether or not you'll get a universal vaccine at some point, uh, that's been elusive for something as long lasting as influenza in terms of our, uh, history in the world. Um, whether or not, um, you know, we'll cont- all need to get some mild version of COVID at some point. And then that hybrid immunity that we settle down with will en- en- entry- eventually lead to us, uh, you know, accepting it um, as a cold. I think that will, that's what some people believe. So, you know, it may be in between that, but whatever it is, once you get some vaccine, you get some natural immunity from natural infection, and that hybrid might end up uh, carrying the whole world forward. Um, but time will tell. We can only speculate. We're speaking with Dr. Peter Chin Hong, infectious disease specialist and professor of medicine at UCSF Medical Center. We welcome your questions, 866-893-5722. We have a line open for you. If you've never given us a call before, why not make today the day? 866-893-5722. Or you can also email us, atcomments at kpcc.org. Again, that's atcomments at kpcc.org. Uh, doctor, we had a question from a person, and I'm trying to find it again here, but essentially the question was that uh, one of our listeners had COVID-19 just a couple months ago uh, after being vaccinated and is now wondering, uh, should they still get the booster shot even after that long experience with COVID? That's a great question. I think most people are settling down to the fact that if you get natural infection or breakthrough after getting fully vaccinated, that, that that almost counts as a booster shot. And actually that person might end up having better immunity than someone who just got three vaccine shots from the basic science we have so far. Um, so in, in practical terms, I would say that third uh, COVID counts as, um, as a booster. Um, but again, um, Nobody would fold that person for getting an additional shot. And I have colleagues who got breakthrough, but then they got the booster. But, you know, I think that most people think that that third, uh, in you know, shot infection counts as a booster. We're talking with Dr. Peter Chin Hong. You can give us a call, 866-893-5722. Again, 866-893-5722. Uh, Gloria has emailed us and she asks, if you needed to place a loved one in an assisted living facility right about now, what COVID-related policies and practices would have to be in place at the facility in order for you to feel comfortable doing so, or would you even consider it at this time? That's a very important question, doctor. There's always somebody in our lives who may need to uh, go into assisted living. Have you had many questions about that? Yes, yes. I mean, I think some of the basic things just to start from the 30,000 foot view would be what their vaccination policy is around residents and staff. And then beyond that, do they have uh, uh, regular testing 
strategy that's above vaccination because the reason why is the assisted living facility like nursing homes like hospitals are not silos you have people moving back and forth and then you want to just make sure that uh no infection is being introduced in that way so that's kind of like the basic things you'd think about but if if that's happening um you know the other things are you know you know what one is masking in forces are masks available uh do people have um how do they treat their employees uh, in terms of um, knowledge and testing? So these are all sort of like the basic strategies that occur. And and what's the vaccination rate? So these are um, some basic questions. But if you really just want to remember one thing, probably the vaccination rate is the, the most important thing right now. And on top of that, uh, whether or not they have a testing strategy. Thanks for listening to this episode of COVID in L.A. If you'd like to stay up to date with the latest coronavirus news, you can listen anytime at LAist.com, at kpcc.org, or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. See you next time and stay safe. I'm Larry Mantle. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people.